Hello and welcome to A Walk in the Black Forest, the goodies podcast. Tonight we have Todd, Paul, Jeff, Leanne and Fiona and we're going to talk about the episode known as Wacky Whales. Paul is going to lead the discussion because it's one of his favourites. We'll pass it over to Paul. When I'm thinking about wacky whales, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think firstly, from a selfish point of view, I'd probably put that, put it into my maybe second or third best episode going around with number one being, I think obviously the end where they're encased in concrete, but someone else has chosen that one. I think I like wacky whales itself because I think it's one of its, their most misunderstood episodes. And whilst we can see some of like the slapstick, some of the obvious like Welsh parodies, there's a degree of satire that I think some people do miss out on what they're trying to satirise. So when you're thinking about like people are holding like extreme ideological views, particularly when they're religious point of views, they're satirising like some of the techniques that they use. I think they're also satirising the hypocrisy of it as well. But what they're doing it is doing it in their own kind of goodies kind of way where they thought, okay, let's look at these extreme ideological views, some of them religious, and let's give it the goodies treatment by looking at what happens if we put it in Wales and deal with the last outpost of genuine Welsh culture. The episode starts where they're invited to go to Wales to a place called, and I always struggle to pronounce this one, Lan Clandrubber. Can anyone improve on that one? No, absolutely not. Nobody wants to go there. Yeah, there's not enough phlegm in the world for that. But they're invited to go over there to compete at an Estedford. They don't initially want to go, but they decide to go over there because they think Wales is a very fun place. And they're invited to go there by the Reverend. Now, we have to count this and get this right. The the Reverend Clewellyn, Clewellyn, Clewellyn. It's four times over. Four times. And they get corrected a few times over. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the pronunciation, you need to you need to do a bit of a Sylvester cat or a daffy duck in it. It's got a a in there somewhere as well. When they arrive in Wales, uh, there's some interesting signage there that says like, you know. No dancing, no singing, no girls, no chance. And they get in the Along the roadway there as they're coming in. Yeah, yeah. along the road. This is a progressive type of place, kind of thing. Like nobody seems to want to have fun and be themselves and enjoy it. And then they arrive at the place where the Reverend Clewellyn, 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 Clewellyn. And um, he goes there and then they get introduced to kind of like some of the repressive ways there about, uh, first of all, the in the puritanical sect which is part of the seventh day repressionists there are 7464 deadly sins only 7464 deadly sins and we found out that things like tea is a foul potion of the orient beer is the devil's brew you know they're talking about like you know birth rate babies is a sinful wickedness and even including so like you know you know, where will eating get you? You want lavatories next. And I don't know if you remember Bill's next line after that. <laughs> the one that he got cut off in halfway through. Yeah, oh, on the live... T- no wonder you're a dying race. I guess you're all yeah. dying. Yeah, because there's no lavatories either. Right. <laughs> That's because it was the hot seat. 
It, it, it was the hot seat. And you're getting the idea of this ridiculous amount of repression that goes on, and they've been told that they're going to an Estedford. And I finally learned what an Estedford stands for. Because Bill helped me out to begin with, because he, he went next door for a cup of tea and he stayed for dinner. But uh, we also learned Estedford stands for Ested is Old Welsh for board, and, and Fod, Fod is Old Welsh for stiff. stiff. Yeah, board stiff. Then they go to the actual Estedford, which I think is beautifully done with that lady singing, and it couldn't simply be more painful. Having been to and competed in Estedfords, yes, that's exactly what they're like. And then they decide to do a show where later on we find out they dared to entertain them. One of the scenes I love in that is uh, when they do the heavy metal uh, song, because they're doing it against a traditional uh, Welsh song. You know, we'll keep a welcome in the valleys. I've forgotten the exact title of it, but you, when you hear it, you can hear it with the whole choir. Yeah. And they it's... really do rock on it quite hard. And I think it's just brilliant to watch. Yeah. I, uh, I Can I just say on that, Paul, that I reckon they were copying Led Zeppelin for that. I, 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 and, no, I, I will disagree on that one. Oh, really? I think, yeah, I, I think Bill was copying Iggy Pop. Ah. Because Iggy Pop at the time had the really, really low, and if you see that Bill had sort of like all these sort of cuts and paint all over him, um, you know, Iggy Pop was renowned for, yeah, yeah. so I think it's Iggy Iggy Pop. Yep, yep, it could be, yep. Also though, Graham Garden never looked hotter than what he does in that bit where he's on the car. I will agree with that one. So cool and so hot and he knows it. And he is going for it. It's great. It's my favourite clip of Graham in the whole series. It definitely looked like oh, he was really? enjoying yeah. himself, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I was wondering too with going to Bill Oddie, like what was that a reference to? Because, yeah, he had all the paint and the pretend tats. But what actually threw me is I noticed that painted on him was about three or four swastikas. Just on that, I will challenge that. They're not swastikas. It's a Buddhist symbol for the cycle of life. Right. Um, I think it's actually a really, really subtle um, inserting Buddhism into the whole wider um, religious thing and starting to set up for the uh, religious rugby competition. Wow. all, all, All the way through, there are just those little subtle... Um, religious um, references like, you know, the odd passage out of the Bible here and there that they may have tweaked a bit. Um, yeah, as we were discussing earlier. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that's what the motivation behind it was. But, yeah, they're, they're not swastikas. They're definitely the Buddhist, the cycle of life. Yeah. Your argument there, there's a lot of subtle, sometimes more than subtle, religious references and what they're pointing out here. And it is starting to build up towards the end because so many of like the things they're pointing out is like, what are these ideologies that people believe in? Sometimes they adhere to them really, really strongly and that could be quite hypocritical in their stances. So I think that could be another point. Here's another religious type thing, maybe to throw us off, maybe there's another meaning, I'm not too sure. But it's something I've never picked up before. Yeah, you could be right. I'm not. There's so many things like that. Oh look, it, it's that, 
given that the whole episode is around that whole religious repression um, and all of the different religions, I'm suggesting that the, these three guys that are just absolute geniuses when it comes to that whole subtle approach to things, um, that's that's my personal thoughts anyway. So. So we have an act which they condensed down that does include, um, you know, a guy with a whip trying to, bur- you know, whip a cigarette. So uh, we've got the rock and roll band, which we just heard beforehand, uh, including we've got like the dancers and it finishes off with, uh, uh, don't know where this lady comes from, but remember she's part of the show and she loses her, her bra and right at the end, they're trying to pass it around and hide it and the curtain falls on them. That's a, yeah. some really clever editing, just how crazy and that, you know, over the top it is. Well, see, that, the, the use of the lady and what she was doing, mm-hmm. I think, dates it um, because it was that old vaudeville woman as a symbol, as a, she wasn't really, I don't know that her presence had any great value to their act. Um, though she was wearing a tiara, so I was happy about that. <laughs> I had no idea they were thinking of you when they wrote this. Hey. <laughs> and yeah. then the Druids have had enough because they they take them to a show trial. And uh, in that show trial, they made the sin of entertaining them. And uh, I do actually like that whole scene because it reminded me of like that... Um, type of scene where you've got people who are trying to preach to the converted it's like they're judge and juries like you know they entertained us no and in steadford too and everyone in unison no you know it's like you know preaching to the converted they go down to the druid stones they're about to be executed and when one of the songs they pick up happens to be a rugby song and I think we're talking about this before where a couple of them realised you know, they were trying to hold themselves together like all the actors because there's a couple mm. of great in-jokes there in acting. Yeah. And then it gets to the point, okay, go on, prove it. And then they have the Rugby Seven Aside Tournament, which proves to be a complete farce show, hypocrisy. What is this whole kind of like pure living really about? We learn very quickly. So it's good enough for the rugby so that's a little bit of like a synopsis of what it's about. But for me, I just love this in so many levels. Like uh, there's the satire about taking the, the piss out of like religious ideologies that people hold on to so strongly. I like the I like the Welsh cliches, but I've got to admit, if I start with one area, just something really random, I really appreciated John Pertwee's acting in this. I thought it was top class. Um, uh, it's hard to believe that's the same guy who played Doctor Who only what what seven eight months before that one was gone to where you know, I mean talk about the diversity of the bloke that was just amazing physically as well I mean he looks so different so we used to seeing John Pertwee with the big bouffant hairdo and you know, the, the the dandy and he just had that greasy looking wig on and he just looked disgusting <laughs> you could almost smell at the character he looked like he was having so much fun, though. Yeah, didn't when he? he was doing, he he was going for broke, and he was loving it. About the the bit that you were just talking about, and I picked up something, and I wonder whether, you know, it's true. I'd like to think that it's true. Yeah. Is that John mentions Beelzebub, 
And so, of course, this was, you know, written in, you know, 1974, went to air March 75. Now, Bohemian Rhapsody mentions Beelzebub. And that was supposedly written about July 1975 and released on the 31st of October 1975. So I wonder whether Freddie was watching an episode, this episode of Wacky Wales and went, Beelzebub, I'm going to put that in my song. You know, Leanne, I thought that this afternoon when I re-watched the show because they're in, I think it was during the Ecclesiastical Sevens Aside, there was one of the teams sitting on the bench going, we are the champions. And I went, oh, wonder if mm. Freddie watched that. So there you go. And because it's, it's like the only two references in my whole life where I've heard the word Beelzebub and they just so happened to come out in the same year. Yeah, yeah it's not a very common term. It doesn't come up at dinner or anything. <laughs> <laughs> what made Queen famous for that song? It was their relationship with Kenny Everett. There's yes. almost some Kenny Everett kind of like homages or at least respect to his over-the-top kind of humour. You get the idea that all these guys were talking, they were in communication with each other. I think it's extremely plausible what you're saying. Yeah. Technically, We Are The Champions wasn't released till like 77. Let's say that they, yeah, watched the goodies episode and then went, oh, yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? We'll make that a song. The, also, uh, the, the reference with the, the World Cup, like the Rugby Sevens, it was actually in 1975 the Rugby World Cup was on, which Australia won at the time. So you could almost imagine them sort of saying the World Cup's everywhere, everyone's promoting it on the TV and everyone's talking about it. And they've parodied that with satire of like, well, imagine if religious people played each other in the rugby and that's how the story sort of developed. Well, I'm, I'm going to go a bit further with that one, Leanne, because um, having been to Wales and Cardiff in particular, um, rugby is a religion in Wales. It is, it is. I've, it is yes. just insane. You, you think that our Wallaby supporters are, um, you know, very dyed-in-the-wool and one-eyed and everything else. We've got nothing on the Welsh. Well, they don't really have much no. else, do they? <laughs> oh. <laughs> they got singing. Yeah. Sheep, you know, yeah. bit of slate, bit of slate. The bit where they're in the sheds after the ecclesiastical games and the druids had won and that was all good and then the goodies realised they were all fake. Footballers took their revenge out on the goodies and played football with them as them being the ball. I just didn't like that bit. You can quite clearly see the changeover between the dummy figure and then them. With the, yeah, yeah. That was actually quite consistent with what they'd done before. And oh, yeah. I think that's where they went into that real slapstick and physical type comedy. And the chase scene and stuff. For me, when I was looking at even from the comedy, the satire kind of narrative, okay, it should have wrapped up very shortly after the dressing room scene. Yes, yeah. I think whether so. The, whether you saw them run onto the field and then they take their revenge, but that last bit, I thought that was the only fault of the episode. That last bit uh, yeah. maybe should have been 30 seconds and not a couple of minutes. But yeah. I, I think they calculated, oh, we've... We're contractually obliged to X amount of minutes per episode. We're two or three minutes short. What have we got to do? Yeah. It's one of the few times where I thought this is obvious yeah. filler. And up until that point, there was no real filler. Yeah, they still, they could have had them 
being chased out onto the field, have it fade, and then they could have still done the tag back at Goody Central, you know, one of the two of them having a black eye, Bill going off to play ecclesiastical footy and Tim and Graham going to church. You know, hell the almighty. Oh, I thought that was a good finish. That actually brought that us good. back after I was being a bit lost, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. I think it just lost its way there towards the end and they did bring it back. But, yeah, look, I've heard a lot of people say this is a very polarising episode. Some people really love it. Some people not so much, like myself. That's that's part of the fun of the goodies. I mean, some episodes you love, some not so much. Yeah. I think it's not it's not one of my favourite. But I do love the whole rugby scenes, right? From oh, where great idea. They're doing the Absolutely rugby, rugby draw yeah. and then all the different teams playing each other. I think that's brilliant. But, it, it, yeah, the rest of the episode just doesn't particularly do it for me. There's not enough songs in this one either. I love, <laughs> I love Bill's songs. And so that's why, yeah, it's not one of my favourites. But I've watched it several times in the last week to prepare yeah. for this. And so, yeah, so it's, it's a lot better than I remember. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I, mm. I kind of remembered it with a, a certain amount of disdain, but um, having watched it two or three times this week, yeah, it's, um, uh, I'll say, not as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, I, th- I think I think for me, um, the, whole, the episode as a whole is not a fun episode as, as some of the, their others. Uh, but I really like it for one particular character and the amount of ad-libbing that that character did, and that's John mm. Pertwee. You know, mm. he he absolutely owned that role and just took it to the nth degree. You know, uh, this episode uh, can polarise, but and I think we all universally agree about the padding at the end, but I think... In terms of physical comedy, I think it's got one of the cleverest goodies gags going around, and that's when they hop onto the train, and you got the sign at the back. Oh, the long sign! <laughs> yeah. I have watched that scene that's over and over again, and I thought, in terms of physical comedy, that is just so brilliantly constructed. I actually got the the name of that Welsh town translated. Yeah. So and? here we go. I have to read this. St. Mary's Church in the hollow of the White Hazel near the Rapid Whirlpool and Church of St. Cecilio of the Red Cave. You've got to think about the amount of time they probably went into trying to find a Welsh town that had that many religious references in it. (laughs) (laughs) I know when I was travelling around Wales, everyone had gone around and like graffitied out the English words for the town on all of the road signs and everything. And so it was only the Welsh language. And I just thought that's really interesting because it's such a small native language and they're really trying to keep it. I mean, this was 25 years ago that I was there. And so to see this now, I sort of get what they're talking about. The Welsh language is so unique and so small. And so passionately held on to by the sounds of things too. But one of the, the scenes that I thought was very cleverly constructed is when they were going through uh, the scoreboard and you had the Mohammedans who were disqualified. Do you remember the reason they were? Because they wouldn't turn around and play because yeah, they, they had, no, they had to be running Mecca. towards Mecca. Mecca, yes. yeah. And they, yeah. they wouldn't change sides at half time. Yeah. And I thought, is that a joke that someone would try today? Hell no. Oh, no, <laughs> no way. 
<laughs> well, thank you for joining us for a walk in the Black Forest, the Goodies Podcast. Thank you for being part of our discussion of Wacky Whales. Thank you to Paul for leading the discussion and thanks to Todd, Leanne, Jeff and Fiona for joining in. If you would like to contact us, you can write to us via our email address, which is goodiespod at gmail.com or you can visit us on our Facebook page, which is A Walk in the Black Forest, The Goodies Podcast. Thank you all for listening in and we hope you tune in again next time. And to quote Reverend Llewellyn, Cluellen, 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 I think it's time to have a cold shower with a brisk rub down with a Brillo pad. And I wish everybody pure dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say whatever turns you on. <laughs>